Hi everybody, welcome to the Troubled Adoptee podcast. Hi, it's Madison, the Troubled Adoptee, just here to tell a little bit more of my story and remind you that there is, of course, an open invitation if you would like to reach out and tell your story here on the Troubled Adoptee podcast. This is a podcast about surviving adoption as a troubled adoptee, but it is also a safe place for people within the adoption constellation to come together and share a little bit about who they are and why they have entered into the adoption constellation or simply how they feel about being a part of adoption constellation. Hello, without any further ado, how is everybody? Let me know. I want to talk about what happened after I turned eight, how third grade was really hard, how I was being bullied at school every day. But you know what was worse than being bullied? Was coming home and being physically and, and just psychologically tortured. I mean, anytime I did anything wrong, the punishment never matched the crime. I don't know how else to describe the situations. I never had a way to step back and recenter myself. I was constantly living in dysregulation and when I was clumsy it was just seen as doing it on purpose and I was punished as if I had done something on purpose because of course doing things fast and snappy and right the first time means that a child cannot go through life while making accidental mishaps. I remember climbing trees. I remember trying to escape by climbing trees. I remember jumping out of trees, truly believing I could fly because I just was in my head so much. I remember being done. I remember that I got to a place in third grade where I was just done. I knew. I was an eight-year-old who knew there is nothing else I can do to make my parents love me. There's nothing else I can do to fit in at school. There's nothing else I can do. I must be the problem. Therefore, why am I here? I had nowhere to put the pain. I had put it on myself for so long and I was just like, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And I could not hold on to the pain and anger or continue to forgive the people who were hurting me multiple times a day. And I just couldn't do it for another day, another moment, another year. And my brain played a lot of tricks on me, a lot of tricks on me. Um, I remember I climbed and climbed and climbed. I was so high up in this tree. And I remember the moment my feet left the tree branch, I felt like a hand had just grabbed me from behind and yanked me against the tree. Baby, we were like going through the tree, but I was like floating down with this hand, like dragging me down. And I remember getting almost to the ground and then this hand just letting go. And this boy 
walked out, attached to the hand, and said to me, but I looked at him, and I was like, who are you? And he didn't say anything. He just looked at me and smiled and shook his head, and then the next day, the branch I, I remember jumping from was just broken and on the ground, and I was okay. Now, these things don't make sense. You know, you, you could say, like, oh, well, you had psychosis in your childhood, or maybe I just had so much trauma that even when I wasn't actively taking my own life, I was thinking about it and planning it and praying that somebody would save me. Whether that was a god, whether that was a person, whether that was a boy that lived in a tree. Y'all, it was bad. My childhood was not easy. But I do want to kind of break up the monotony of always talking about the bad things that happened. I want to talk about some friendships I made. Some were real. A lot were not. I finally made friends with the girls in my class. And I had a lot of black and white thinking. And I was definitely neurospicy. I never realized that these were fake friends. That they were being my friends and then talking about me behind my back and not actually caring about me. They would use anything they talked to me about and I was just so desperate for friends that I would tell them things about myself and then they'd turn around and they would bully me. I I see it for what it is now. Um, third grade girls, just so you know, y'all were mean. And I'm so glad for the friends I actually had. But y'all were mean. And there was a reason that I hung out with 8th graders as a 3rd grader. There was a reason, y'all. I was not just too mature or different or running away from y'all. No, y'all were mean. You probably still are. Thank you for tormenting me. And thank goodness to the teachers who saw my potential in first grade and had me skip a class to be back with my class that I was supposed to be with and go from first to third grade. However, to the people who enabled my adoptive parent in initially holding me back, you enabled my adoptive parent to abuse me further. And I think that so often in situations we as people don't recognize abuse when it's sitting there staring us in the face so let's talk about it what are signs of abuse what are the signs of abuse in a kindergartner what makes a kinder what makes a kindergartner different what makes a teacher stop, pause, and think maybe something isn't right here? What makes people who are adults think, hey, maybe this isn't right? Well, according 
to the Mayo Clinic, some symptoms of abuse in young children include withdrawal from friends or usual activities, changes in behavior such as aggression, anger, hostility, hyperactivity, or even changes in school performance, depression, anxiety, or unusual fears, or sudden loss of self-confidence. Sleep problems and nightmares are not something that normally a, a teacher is going to pick up on or someone outside of the house. But if you have a child exhibiting symptoms and also has sleep problems and nightmares, maybe, maybe they have some trauma, you know, some abuse going on somewhere in their life. Um, an apparent lack of supervision. Um, I didn't have that. I had over-supervision. Um, what is physical child abuse? Physical child abuse occurs when a child is purposely physically injured or put at risk of harm by another person. Well, that happened my whole life. What is child sexual abuse? Child sexual abuse is any sexual activity with a child. This can involve sexual contact, such as intentional sexual touching, oral genital contact, or intercourse. This can also include non-contact sexual abuse of a child, such as exposing a child to sexual activity or pornography, observing or filming a child in a sexual manner, harassment of a child, or prostitution of a child, including sex trafficking. What is emotional abuse? Emotional child abuse means injuring a child's self-esteem or emotional well-being. It includes verbal and emotional assault, such as continually belittling or berating a child, as well as isolating, ignoring, or rejecting a child. So something that teachers could have picked up on, um, actually, I'll come back to that. Medical abuse. Medical child abuse occurs when someone gives false information about an illness in a child that requires medical attention, putting the child at risk of injury or unnecessary medical care. Neglect. Child neglect is the failure to provide adequate food, clothing, shelter, clean, shelter, clean living conditions, affection, supervision, education, or dental or medical care. I did not go in for medical care unless it was absolutely necessary. Dental, I only went three times in my life up until I was in foster care and they required it. Supervision, putting us outside to play for hours on end is not supervising us. Affection, I cannot remember any time that my um, adoptive parent was affectionate if it did not serve herself. Um, adequate food. Food is a necessity in our house, in my house, for me specifically, it was seen as a privilege. Medical abuse, um, we talked about that one a little bit. Emotional abuse. My, from a young age, my adoptive parent, who was very abusive, would talk to my friends about me. She would talk demeaningly and degradingly about me. She would talk to my friend's parents about me in front of my friends. It was so awful and I would get bullied for the things that my abuser was doing to me and then spinning and telling other parents that I was doing to the point where 
I was being bullied for in the same way and for the same things that my adoptive parent had bullied me and done to me for. It's insane to think about and it's so hard to compartmentalize and talk about this because it is so hard now as an adult to look back and be like, yes, that's what happened right there. Yep, that's what happened right there. But I think the most clear example happened when I was in seventh or eighth grade. I made a friend with a high schooler because I was in a homeschool charter, so there were high schoolers around. I made friends with a high schooler. He happened to be a boy. He happened to go to our church, and he also happened to be homeschooled with us. He's a really, really sweet kid, and the reason why he took an interest in me was to protect me. And I will always appreciate him for that. Why am I bringing this story into an example? Well, when my abusive parent found out that I had a friend who was 16, when I, myself, was only 12, they were concerned. Even though this friendship was completely genuine and we saw each other at school and we saw each other at church and he took on a big brother role for a really long time in my life. She didn't like it. She didn't like it because he saw the emotional distress in me and instead of bullying me, he stood up for me. So she saw him one day and she saw him in a library and she, she saw us talking in the library so she followed him outside and she tried to have a conversation with him and he wouldn't have the conversation with her because at this point he was 17 and she asked for the contact information for um, his father. And so I, you know, that was given to her and he, and she found it through the church though. So she didn't like ask him for it. She went to the church, found the father's information in the church phone book called this person's father and started berating the father and the father asks him hey like who is this girl what is going on and he goes she's my friend and her parents are extremely abusive and she's going through a hard time and I'm not gonna just walk away because this crazy old lady is harassing me and he goes fair enough and told my abusive parent to fuck off she don't like that. She doesn't like when she can't control people. And that turned into a huge thing where I wasn't allowed to see my friends. I wasn't allowed to go to school. Any little thing I did was wrong. Any age-appropriate thing I did was wrong. I started dating someone wrong. Everything was wrong, wrong, wrong. God forbid I be bisexual with lesbian parents, right? But I had to choose. When my siblings came out as whatever they were, they didn't have to choose, but I had to choose. I was bullied for everything, regardless of if it was sensical or not. And honestly, I am just so tired, so tired of hearing about it. I'm so tired of people saying, oh my goodness, I didn't know how bad you had it. Yeah, you did. Or you would have 
if you knew what the signs of abuse were. I had a school nurse as a youth leader. And she told me to just suck it up and go home and figure it out and stay for a couple more years. But did she know what I was actually going through? No. Did she care? I have no idea. She was a mandatory reporter and she didn't see the signs of abuse. And that is part of living with somebody that I truly believe. This is not medical information, nor am I a medical professional. I'm putting that as a disclaimer. Living with someone who I truly believe is a narcissistic sociopath who had it out for me because I never fit her perfect image of what family was supposed to be. And even if I did, it wouldn't have mattered because in a narcissistic family structure, there has to be a scapegoat, no matter how good or bad that child is. Let's talk about some symptoms that a stranger on the outside um, looking in might be able to spot. Withdrawal from friends or usual activities. Changes in behavior, we kind of talked about those. Frequent absences from school. I was always there. It was where I was safe. Rebellious or defiant behavior. That's why they held me back. Self-harm or attempts at suicide. I started attempting when I was seven years old, and you can't tell me that nobody knew. Here are some signs and symptoms of physical abuse. Unexplained injuries. I don't know, every other day, every three days such as bruises and broken bones or burns. I had a lot of bruises. I did not have broken bones or burns. Injuries that don't match the given explanation. Yeah. Injuries that are not compatible with the child's developmental ability. Also, yeah. There were a lot of signs that were missed as a child. Here are some sexual abuse symptoms. Um, this did not start happening until I was um, between the ages of 10 and 12, so that's a little different and further on, but here are some examples of um, sexual abuse symptoms. Sexual behavior or knowledge that is inappropriate for the child's age, pregnancy or STD, um, genital or anal pain or bleeding, statements by the child that he or she was abused, inappropriate sexual behavior with other children. Here are some signs and symptoms of emotional abuse. This is all from the Mayo Clinic, guys. Like, I'm not making this up. I'm giving you signs and symptoms so that hopefully if you have somebody in your life who you love and you suspect is being abused, you can point out these signs and symptoms and get them help. Emotional abuse. Signs and symptoms in children. Delayed or inappropriate emotional development. Yeah. I was in third grade, thinking I could fly out of trees. How did no adult think, hey, maybe that's not right? Loss of self-confidence and self-esteem. Well, since showering was a privilege, maybe they just thought I hadn't showered. Maybe they thought I didn't care to shower. But even then, that's a parent's job to make that happen. 
social withdrawal or lack of interest or enthusiasm. I don't know. Maybe when I would climb the plum trees on school campus and not talk to anybody. Depression. I struggled so hard to smile. Avoidance of certain situations, such as refusing to go to school or ride the bus. No, I would refuse to leave school because my abuser was at home. Appears to desperately seek affection. I just wanted someone to love me. And that made me the perfect victim for a rapist. A decrease in school performance or lack of interest in school. That fluctuated probably every couple months. Loss of previously acquired developmental skills. Neglect signs and symptoms. Poor growth. I had that. Excess, excessive weight with medical complications that are not being added, adequately addressed. Probably. They were more psychological. Like, I don't know, maybe being neurospicy and getting the testing done instead of saying I was a bad kid and dropping a bunch of diagnoses on me. I don't know. Poor personal cleanness. Well, considering we were only allowed to shower every other day or every two days with the amount of soap that abuser decided to put into our hands that day. And if we used more, we'd be in trouble. Yeah, poor personal cleanness was definitely something I learned how to combat as an adult. I learned how to actually wash my hair with an adequate amount of soap as an adult, as a grown woman. That's embarrassing. A lack of clothing or supplies to meet the physical needs. I didn't have that one. I always had clothing. Hoarding or stealing food constantly. Poor record of school attendance. No, I had good attendance. That, so that's not one that would have been noticed in me. Lack of appropriate attention for medical, dental, psychological problems or lack of necessary follow-up care. You know, my parents were really good at saying like, oh, her therapist says. But then again, the therapist was saying that I could trick a psychiatrist. So, I mean, honestly, a lot of this comes down on um, the fact that book learning and experience wise, my abuser was very, very knowledgeable. She had a degree in therapy and had practiced therapy for years. She was an ex-police officer and she knew how to cover her tracks. But I'm just saying there are some things that still slipped through because as much as you know how to cover your tracks, your child does not know how to self-regulate while being abused. Please, if you are a teacher or you are somebody who just loves children, please keep an eye out for these signs. Sometimes parental behavior can send red flags about child abuse. Here are some warning signs in parents. Shows little to no concern for child. That was not my case, but that is something to keep an eye on. Appears unable to recognize physical and emotional distress in the child. Mine would say, oh, I see that she's acting out. I'm just choosing to ignore it. And that was apparently enough. But that's still neglectful behavior. Blames the child for the problems. This was a big one. Teachers, please keep an eye out for those parents that blame the children because those children are not okay. 
consistently belittles or berate the berates the child and describes child with negative terms such as worthless or evil. Um, I wasn't described as worthless or evil, but I was described as manipulative quite often, and that is the same um, premises: manipulative, um, cunning. Um, she'll only do things if it's in service to herself. Um, those weren't true statements, but also those are things that maybe as a teacher or a therapist or somebody involved in a child's life, like, keep an eye out for that. I was also referred to as, like, I don't know, a whore when I was, like, seven and lost a bunch of family friends over it. So, yeah. Consistently, okay. Expects the child to provide attention and care to the parent and seems jealous of other family members getting attention from the child. Y'all, that is a huge red flag, especially with adoptive children. If there is abuse within the home that may be focusing on, I don't know, attachment problems, please, 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 if you are within a home and you see this, please help that child. That child is in extreme danger. Uses harsh physical discipline. People didn't notice this. People didn't see us standing on our heads for four hours over a Q-tip left in the bathroom, okay? Guys, there was some crazy discipline that happened in our house. And we told people and people didn't believe us until, and I will say this again, shout out to that one friend who loved to play Uno and watch Free Willy. Because, whew, they told their mama and she knew something was off she knew something was off shoving socks clean or dirty in a child's mouth for long extended periods of time because you don't want to hear them talking is child abuse and it is not okay forcing children to stand on their heads because of a q-tip left in a bathroom and not thrown away is not okay Forcing children to hold stress positions for over an hour due to minor infractions such as not cleaning a room to satisfaction even though it's picked up and cleaned but not cleaned to your satisfaction the first time is not okay. Fast and snappy and right the first time does not allow children to grow and learn. It allows for parents to abuse children who are not little, perfect minions who were born with any knowledge of what this parent wants. Because at the end of the day, we don't know. Children are not mind readers. Demands an inappropriate level of physical or academic performance. Well, yeah. Severely limits the child's contact with others. The biggest red flag for me is when we got pulled out of school during all of the investigations and whatnot and homeschooled. That was the biggest red flag for me. Y'all, every teacher of all of us kids should have been extraordinarily concerned at that point. Offers conflicting or unconvincing explanation to a child's injuries or no explanation at all. Mine would just say I don't have to explain myself to you. Repeatedly brings the child to medical evaluations um, or requests me medical tests such as x-rays, lab tests, and concerns for not seeing the child's health care provider examination. Um, yeah, so um, 
we were actually used in um, vitamin studies, so they made more money off of us. That was great. Um, here are some factors that can increase a person's risk of becoming abusive. A history of being abused or neglected as a child. So much time, effort, energy has gone into creating my own mental health into deconstructing what I was told deconstructing what was done with me and choosing to make a change am I perfect no am I still irregulated sometimes yes some coping skills that may be helpful for people who have experienced abuse and neglect as a child and now have children themselves and don't know how to cope with it is to put yourself as a child in the place of your child and give that child what you needed when you were their age. And if what you needed when they were their age was space, then take the space. Call it a mommy timeout or a daddy timeout. Go to the bathroom, lock the door, take deep breaths, and remember that what happened to you was not your fault. And we are here today to be cycle breakers. We are here to stop the chain of abuse. We are here to go to therapy, take our meds, drink our water, and change the world for the better because we are a generation that refuses to repeat our parents' mistakes. And if you're in this with me, just know there are so many resources. And if you're in the thick of it, in that moment where all you want to do is scream, phone a friend. Because all of us need support sometimes. Physical and mental illness, such as depression or PTSD, can be risk factors for abuse. Yeah. Take your meds. Go to therapy. Get professional help. There is no shame in that. Better your life. Break the cycle. It's our turn to be the safe adults we needed as children, guys. Family crises such as stress, including domestic violence or other marital conflicts, or even just single parenting. I don't know a lot about this because I personally didn't walk through it, but I know that adopting more children um, did add stress to our family dynamic and definitely did escalate the abuse that was happening to me a child in the family who's developmentally or physically disabled um, my abuser did say that my sister has autism and um, used that as an excuse and allowed her to just violently do things that were not okay um however I am not sure how much was actual autism or not I don't know my siblings um, current medical statuses, but what I do know is that I love my sister and there were ways to get help and there were ways to get support that did not include abusing me at the, as a stress, de-stressing tool, as a stress management tool. Financial stress, social or extended family isolation, 
Um, I know that my parents did face that, um, given that they were a lesbian couple that was together for 24 years, and they themselves only split in 2019, I believe, was when their separation began. So, um, yeah, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, but I do want to say that if you don't have family, build a family. If you want family, go ahead, reach out. Let's build a family. Let's build friendships. Let's build community and let's build support where even if it's just being able to reach out to someone in those moments where it is so hard and know that somebody is walking through it too, that can be so helpful. Poor understanding of child development skills and drug or alcohol or other substance abuse. Um, yeah, so those are some signs and symptoms of um, child abuse that are recognizable by strangers, family, friends, other people, and adults within households that have abusive adults in them. Um, and I just wanted to put it out there that if you know that a child is being abused or showing signs and symptoms of being abused, neglected, um, please, please reach out to someone. And while we do not have the most amazing system in the U.S. for children going through stuff, we still have a system in place, and at the end of the day, we have to keep our world from sliding back into the dark ages and continue to progress. And part of that is when we see abuse, we say something. If we see something, we say something. Consider, consider it your duty. Consider it your obligation. But if you see abuse, say something about it. Because at this point, there are too many stories of children who have gone through awful, terrifying, dehumanizing situations they never deserved to go through. And it's our chance as Gen Xers, not Gen X, I'm a Gen Z, ah, as Gen Xers, Millennials, and Gen Zs, it's our turn to work together Gen Xers, you got that study. You've got those years under your belt. We need you. Millennials, you've got that knowledge and that will to fight in such a tactful way with words. We need you. And Gen Zers, hi, my babies, who are ready to kick down doors. It's our time to stand up and say enough is enough. No to child abuse. No to child trafficking. And no more exploiting children and let's make this happen let's change the world and let's do it by becoming the change that we need to see and speaking up when abuse neglect or psychological torture is happening within our circles there's enough of us to change the world why wouldn't we start doing that today Thank you all for listening. These are just my thoughts. I know it was a little rambly today. Um, I started a new job, so my head has not been quite screwed on the way that I want it to be. However, 
I hope you enjoyed some of these signs and symptoms and how I did tie it back into my uh, daily life as a child growing up. But if you didn't enjoy this one, I'll be back to personal stories on the next one. Don't you worry. We're getting back into the swing of things and getting everything ready to move forward into life. Thank you all so much for being a part of my journey and for listening and engaging and being just the awesome group of people you are. Have a fantastic rest of your day or night whenever this podcast finds you. And yeah, go out, be the change you wish to see.